This episode of Experiences You Should Have is brought to you by Soul Blends, handcrafted in Oregon from botanicals to bottle, multiple healing balms, salves, and moisturizing products to bring life to your skin. Check out Soul Blends and use the code EYSH to receive 10% off your order. It really is an extremely awe-inspiring site. It's fully immersive. Totality, you know, it, it happens above you because it's what you see. Uh, it happens around you because there are changes in your environment that you pick up that are really very spectacular. And it also happens within you. Welcome to Experiences You Should Have, your how-to guide for amazing experiences. I'm your host, Gail Manasco, and today you are in for a treat. We are talking about experiencing totality in a solar eclipse. That's right. And we actually have a bona fide eclipse chaser uh, coming on the show Kate Russo. Uh, she actually has a background in clinical psychology, but she is a recognized authority on total solar eclipse experiences. She has interviewed hundreds of people about their eclipse experience and even authored three books on the topic. She also leads eclipse tours and is considered an expert in helping communities plan for a total solar eclipse based upon her evidence-based research and white papers on the topic. Now, Kate has experienced 12 total solar eclipses over the period of 20 years from six continents. Can you... I mean, that is, that is a feat. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, I have experienced one (laughs) total solar eclipse and I strive to be like Kate. Uh, So I cannot call myself an eclipse chaser as I have only seen one, but Kate certainly can. And she will help demystify the total solar eclipse experience, share her story um, with some tips of how you can become an eclipse chaser. I have been so excited for this. Um, I've got to experience totality once. Well, I wondered about about that, you being in Oregon. I'm assuming it was 2017. Yes, it was. Yes. Yes. In, uh, in 2017, it came right through Oregon and right through Madras, Oregon. A, a lot of sun there. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And and it's so funny because I... I didn't know totality was really a thing. I originally, I thought partial totality would be, would be fine, you know, or not much difference until we watched a Ted talk on experiencing totality. And, and we realized that we needed to actually be in totality. And so we drove to be in totality. It was just like an hour North. I mean, it was very easy to get to. And it, it blew my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was 
It was amazing. I think your experience is something that very much motivates me because I hear time and time again, people don't understand the need to get into the path of totality um, because mm -hmm. sometimes that's not really conveyed in the, the messaging that gets through. And I strongly believe it's through storytelling, you know, people telling their stories of, of their experiences and seeing people's reactions and, and knowing that, um, you know, just the feelings and emotions that comes when people describe their past experiences. So that's why I really go out of my way to share my own experiences. I research I, uh, other people's experiences. I just love it. And I just love inspiring other people to get into the path to experience it for themselves. And then, of course, they become eclipse chasers. So I'm assuming you're <laughs> going to be one. <laughs> Absolutely. So I would love to meet up with you at the next accessible uh, uh -huh. so we'll, 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 we'll get to that yep. and so just for our listeners can you describe what is a solar eclipse and what is happening and and what is totality how about that let's yeah. just start with some definitions so they're they're big questions i think but the, it gives the context so a total solar eclipse is when there is a perfect alignment of the sun the moon, the earth, and you particularly standing on, you know, within the, the path shadow. And so what you see from the ground looking up is, um, you know, you will see the sun through solar filters because you can't view the sun with your naked eye. You have to use solar filters. So if you're looking at the sun through filters, you'll see this orange ball in the sky. And um, when a solar eclipse starts, you'll start to see a little chink taken out, just a little tiny bite taken out of the sun. And that's the moon starting to cross the surface of the sun, the disk of the sun. And over time, that, um, that little chink gets bigger and bigger, and it looks like a little Pac-Man. And for a period of about an hour, the, the moon continues its journey um, in, towards the covering of the sun. And then totality is that moment when the moon completely covers the sun and there's no, no element of the sun left that's visible. That is the total solar eclipse. <clears throat> and the journey continues, you know, so that, that might last for a couple of minutes. And then um, if you're still watching, you, you remove your filters because you can't see anything through filters because there is no light to filter. So that is the time when you can actually take filters off and look at where the sun should be, but it's covered by the moon. And you will see the outer atmosphere of the sun called the sun's corona. And it is a stunningly beautiful, awe-inspiring sight. It is just magical. You know, the pictures that children draw when they, you know, they draw the sun. So it's like a round circle mm -hmm. and they've got the little things leading out, you know, the corona leading out. So that's kind of what you're seeing there. And so totality is those magical moments of awe that we experience. And then as you keep watching, the sun's, uh, the moon will continue its movement across the surface of the, the sun. And then you, the, the light returns and then you have to put your solar filters back on. And for the next, um, you know, over the period of the next hour, the moon continues its journey across and then it will no longer be Im impacting the sun. So that whole process of the eclipse can take, um, around three hours or so. Totality is that middle component of it where the sun is completely obscured by the moon. And it really is 
an extremely awe-inspiring site. It's fully immersive. And I sort of explain it that totality, you know, it, it happens above you because it's what you see. Uh, it happens around you because there are changes in your environment that you pick up that are really very spectacular. And it also happens within you because there's so much that happens um, during totality where you start to feel connected. You, you feel insignificant because you realize the vastness of the universe, but you feel also connected to something so much greater so that there is an incredible sense of empowerment and feeling um, huge and like you can do anything and achieve anything. It really is very, very empowering emotion. But there's also these strange things that happen with our sense of time as well. Like for me, I feel like there's a, you know, time, um, you, you get a sense of time and movement with the moon slowly covering the sun and then, you know, filters off, you're looking at the eclipse sun and it's like time stands still. And it's this sense of time, our universe time, you know, this moment is fleeting in our universe, but it expands time, our sense of time changes. And I always get this sense of, you know, I could be in this present year, or I could be, you know, thousands of years in the past or thousands of years in the future, but I would still be this human being standing at a particular moment in time, experiencing all these incredible feelings. Um, so that that just blows me away every time. <laughs> um. How many solar eclipses have you experienced in totality? I have now experienced twelve total solar eclipses. There are other wow, yeah, and that's over a period of twenty years or so. Um, and you know, I've been trying to experience my 13th total solar eclipse. I'm not a superstitious person, <laughs> but I mean, this, this 13th has been quite elusive. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm sort of eagerly awaiting because it was supposed to be, you know, 2020 was my 13th. And, and obviously that didn't happen because of the COVID restrictions. Um, there is an, another total eclipse happening in 19 days. And again, for me, this is one that's going to not be possible. Um, so I am. So what's the date of that? Uh, that is December the 4th. December the 4th. And where is that eclipse happening? Uh, so the path of totality for that one uh, is, is, is quite remote. Um, it's in the Antarctic Ocean and um, visible over parts of Antarctica. So the only way you can get there is by these cruise ships um, or flying into the path so intersecting the path of totality with a special flight so my understanding is there are still eclipse chasers chasing this eclipse um it wow. is not very accessible so i mean you can imagine the the costs involved in these very right very challenging right. circumstances yes. mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but there are people who are still planning on going including many of my friends and colleagues and um, you know, so the cost is tricky, but also the, the restrictions because there, mm -hmm. there are solutions. So, you know, there, there are now a number of things that need to be done for entering South America because that's the um, launching point for cruises and the flights. Um, so right. Chile and Argentina are the key points. And so each of those countries have different requirements, um, vaccination requirements, you've got to have clear testing beforehand. And then when you board the mm -hmm. ships, there's the same thing. So I think there, it, it is going to be a real challenge, but these are really amazing eclipse chasers who can 
um, still continue with all that uncertainty and lack of control. Really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, they, I always have a default setting that I'm going to every single eclipse. And the angst for me comes about having to make that decision that, no, this is not possible. And I think right. once you make that decision, a lot, of the un- mm-hmm. a lot of the angst, actually, you can let that go because you know that, you know, there are things we can control and there's things that we can't control. And this is one, being in Australia at the moment, it's very difficult with our boundary, um, uh, you know, national borders. So mm-hmm. I, I just understand this is something I have no control over. So not that I'm happy to yeah. let this one go because <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, right. <laughs> what is the most memorable solar eclipse you've been in? Oh, Gail, there are, <laughs> there are, everyone is so memorable. I, I always say that it's it's like someone asking you, which is your favorite child? <laughs> oh. um. Okay, if you were to share one story with our audience today, what would that story be? <laughs> I, I think always your first total solar eclipse will always mm. stand out because it's, it's almost like... Um, you think you know how things operate in the world and you think you know what you're going to see by getting yourself into the path of totality for the first time. So you've got the understanding, you know that this is a coincidence of scale, you know, that amazing coincidence where the sun is uh, 400 times larger than the moon, um, which just mm-hmm. so happens to be 400 times further away. So, you know, that apparent um, similar sizing, relative size of the sun and the moon just is that perfect perfect alignment and so you can understand that you can understand the science of it and how it all works and the physics behind it um but something happens to you (laughs) um (laughs) you you know you think you know it all but like the your world just is your the way the way you think about the world really is blown out of proportion and things that should not be possible are possible you see it you experience it and it's outside what you think could happen um so i think the first eclipse is the most powerful so that's probably the one i'll talk through but every subsequent eclipse is really very unique and different um but my first one um i think eclipses had been on the agenda for many years because like many of the people who you interview on your podcast you know, I, I think the similarity is people, there, is, there are a lot of people who are experience driven. You know, we, mm-hmm. we just have this compulsion and desire to get out there in the world and experience things. Yes. Um, and, you know, we all do that in our different ways. And so I, I was fascinated by travel and I, you know, I, I left Australia to travel around the world. And um, I also, when I was younger, I did some skydiving and. Oh, me too. I know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I was looking at your background, so I kind of thought, yeah. And a lot of people who you interview in podcasts, that there are a lot of similarities. And so, you know, I had this list of, and it's not just like a list of things to do, like a checklist, but it's almost uh, something that, you know, I just thought these wow experiences, something about engaging with our world and nature. So I had these Mm -hmm. things that I really wanted to do from a young age, and I was always fascinated about the world and travel and different places. And I had pen pals all around the world. Um, And so I I knew from reading, there was, well, reading between the lines, I guess, there was something different Mm -hmm. and unique about the total solar eclipse experience. And so I knew at some point I would see a total solar eclipse. So, I mean, they call them bucket lists now. 
and it yeah right certainly on there yeah and you know life just carries on and you, you do the things that you can and um you know I was studying and did more research and more degrees and and then the time came where I left Australia and you know I was able to backpack around the world and I had a lot of freedom and then I moved to the UK and that's when I suddenly became aware that in 1999 um, the path of totality was going to cross Europe and just to backtrack a bit the path of totality is the pathway that the moon's shadow travels during a total solar eclipse and so the moon's shadow is like, um, so when the, when the moon moves in front of the sun, it projects its shadow like a cone onto the surface of the earth. And then with the movement of the moon and the rotation of the earth, the shadow moves in the narrow path along the surface of the earth. And so it's usually only about 100 miles across and maybe about 1,000 miles long. So it's very long and thin. And eclipse chases what we do is what we get into that path of totality so that's where you can experience the total solar eclipse if you're not in that path you do not experience all the awe and the amazing features of totality you experience a partial eclipse but it's not the total eclipse so i guess i was aware that the the part the path of totality for uh, 1999 was going to be relatively close i was living in northern ireland and the path was going across europe and so I arranged um, some independent travel to get to the path of totality. My hubby and I went along together. Um, we, you know, he, I, I think I was expecting that I would just see this eclipse and then that would you know, be, oh, that's something that we've done. We can do other things. But, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I was kind of blown away. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yes. We, we started by, you know, we, we arrived on this bus that dropped us off at the edge of the village and there were thousands of people, tens of thousands of people in this very tiny village on the coast of France. Um, and so it, already there was this party atmosphere and it was just thumping and it was just amazing. And so we got, we were in France and so we got a little bottle of French wine, um, we got some patisseries and, you know, we just wanted to make it very French. Um, yes. And then we gathered all our belongings and walked to the um, to the seaside where everyone was sort of congregating um, so you could see the moon's shadow coming towards you. And, you know, we sat down and we drank a little bit of wine and we were just having a good time. And the, the, when the moment of the first noticeable um, sliver from, you know, that, that the moon was moving in front of the sun, we call that first contact you look at that through your solar filters. And when you can just recognize that, it really is quite exciting because, you know, you, you think you've known about this, you've read about it, um, and it's so precise in time. This is a, you know, celestial mechanics at work. Um, it, it's it's just incredible to experience that. And so there's this quite, this excited buzz that, that happens. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can see it. It's happening, it's happening. Um, and then for the next 30 or 30 minutes or so, um, as the moon continues, what you're doing is actually just just waiting. So, I, you know, I was every once in a while, you'll look up with your filters and you see the progression a bit further. And then, we'd, you know, we'd sit down and we'd carry on, have conversation, continue our little mm -hmm. French, um, you know, <laughs> experience. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, you know, not much happens in those times. But some interesting things, I, I was aware that something started to shift when the moon was about 80 or 90% covered. There was definitely a shift in the environment. And it started, you know, that's the moment when you start to feel like you, you actually have to stand up 
and really, really take in what's going on. Um, so, you know, it was about 90%. I was starting to notice that the, you know, the light looked really different. I kept saying, turn around, look at the light, look at the light. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I couldn't explain it then. I know now that it's it's that feeling like the colours seem to be drained from, from reality, you know, like everything goes a little bit silver. Um, it's, it's quite a, it's, it's quite a funny light perspective that I'd never seen before. Um, so that was noticeable. And also the notice, uh, notice changing in birds. So, you know, like there were, there were birds starting to fly as if they were flopping, um, you know, that would happen at sunset. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I was stunned by that because that, you know, that there's that sense of, Oh, I wasn't expecting this. I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting the subtle differences like that. And then I was aware that the temperature had dropped and, you know, and then I was aware that there was the darkening of, of the sky, you know, um, normally in a storm when the sky is dark, it's the clouds, you know, the clouds are grey and dark and deep, whereas this was different, you know, this was a darkening of the sky and I didn't, I couldn't really put all these points together because it was happening so quickly and I was very naive about what what was going on. So, you know, it's only later I can really describe it all. Um, but those are the moments, you know, when it hit about 97%, 98%, it was really very eerie and ominous. And, you know, when it covered 90, 99%, it was just, you know, the goosebumps that hits you and, you know, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And it was just really, I, I was not expecting those visceral experiences at all. And, then suddenly, out of nowhere, even though you know that this is going to happen, this ominous darkness just sweeps across and it really does happen very quickly. And the crowd is screaming. I mean, you, you can hear it. You can hear the crowd. And, and when the crowd screams all at once, and I'm getting goosebumps here <laughs> again talking about it, but it's that moment of unison that everyone is just gasping and, you know, you, you know instinctively to take your filters off. And there I mean where the sun should be there is nothing there is just this black hole and you can look at it with your naked eye and it, it just you know the, the screams around you it was it was just phenomenal and I I was looking up at it thinking I was not expecting this I didn't know what to expect but this is <laughs> not yeah this wow and the more your eyes get accustomed to the light, the more you started to see. So the corona around was really spectacular. And I can't really remember in my mind's eye the detail of the first one, but I, I just remember the, the colour and the shimmering, shimmering nature of it. And just you couldn't draw your eyes away from it. And it, it was just, you know, all first the screams around you and then then there's like this hushed silence it's really hushed it's like everyone then has this inward journey you know they're watching it they're immersed in it um but there's so much going on inside you so you know that feeling i i didn't fully appreciate that you could feel i mean i I, i've experienced awe a lot but this was awe on such an incredible scale um, in hindsight, you know, you can put words to it, but back then I just couldn't explain it at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I think what happens is that you get this real sense of appreciation of how vast our universe is. You know, you realise that the moon that is out there is an object in the sky that is casting the shadow that you're standing in. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, when you really think about that, this is the moon's shadow, the dark part mm-hmm. of the moon's shadow. I mean, that is just phenomenal. 
And so, you know, the, the universe just feels so vast and, you know, you have such a sense of insignificance, but you feel connected to, you know, everyone around you, you feel connected. I had this sense that, you know, nature is, and the universe is the thing that is the, the biggest connection. Um, some people may have a different experience of what that connection is, but you just feel everything about yourself, or if you want to use psychological terms, your ego just melts away. There is nothing left and there's this sense of unity with everything. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that sense of time really struck me, time standing still. Um, I know other people, they say that, you know, time during totality is so quick and fleeting, but most of those people are actually trying to photograph at the same time. I never do that. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm, I'm there for the experience. And, um, you know, now I might take a few candid shots, but I just, you know, time stops. Our understanding of what time is, is just, oh, it, it, um, yeah, I, I just can't explain it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean, how can you explain time? But um, yeah, yeah. It... <laughs> uh, and then, you know, like in those moments of totality, so that can last a couple of minutes. And um, I can't quite recall the exact length of time that my life changed there in those moments. But, you know, you start to become aware that the end is happening. So, you know, it's like you disengage from the whole sense of the time ordered earthbound life that we have. And you're in this little a moment of cocoon with the universe um but then the little signs are you can see the movement of the moon uh, with your naked eye and you're starting to become aware that the light is is going to be, reappear at the other side and and you know yeah. you have this feeling of no <laughs> you know, don't, don't go don't go i just you know just i could be here forever um so there's that sense of desperation of of wanting to just get every single moment uh, of it and then you know of course celestial mechanics it just has to continue to move and it does and then the light just comes back enormously you know you put your solar filters back on and mm -hmm. the, it's incredible that tiny amount of light that comes back just bathes the whole area with so much light um oh and then you know and then it's over and then, you know, the moon continues to sweep, the, the moon's shadow continues to sweep along and further along, you know, across Europe, everyone continued to experience their moments of totality. But for us, it was over. And I, I was, I couldn't speak. I, mean, I just, I had no words. And, you know, I remember looking at my hubby and it couldn't get the words out and there were people around me crying and, um, and I, you know, I was just like, you know, we've got to do this again. We've got to do this again. Yes. And right? you know, I, yes. I didn't have a smartphone. I didn't know where I could, you know, I had to wait, you know, four or five days until I got back home before I could really research <laughs> where the next one was. But that compulsion to, you know, I just knew, I knew I was an eclipse chaser and I didn't know that people, uh, this sounds naive again, but I didn't know that people actually spend their lives chasing eclipses. I thought people just saw the once and then that was it. Yeah. But that was the moment I became an eclipse chaser. It was just incredible. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Thank you. Truly. Thank you for sharing. I, I had the same feeling mm. when, after I experienced it the first time, it was the most awe inspiring moment. I've ever been in. Yeah. And and I knew that I I wanted I wanted to see it again. And um 
but my last one was in 2017 and, and I'm hoping, um, I can see not the one in Antarctica while well, that would be amazing, but, uh, I'm hoping I can see the next accessible eclipse. I'd like to talk logistics with you because, (laughs) because the Antarctica one is not feasible for a lot of people. So what is the next solar eclipse that will be more accessible to people after that? Right. So, I mean, us eclipse chasers, we, we, well, I certainly do. And I know most do as well. You know, we, we know where the path of totalities are going to be for the rest of our lives. You know, <laughs> it's like yes. it, it forms a scaffold yes. into our life experiences. And within that, we get into the path of totality and then we experience other things. Um, sometimes the path of totality, as you say, is, is a bit less accessible. Um, the, the next one, so after this one that's coming in 19 days, the next one after that is going to be April the 20th, 2023. And that one is, the, the, the path of totality is interesting because it's really very narrow and it only makes landfall across the western tip, the very western tip of Australia and um, up into Timor and parts of Indonesia. Um, so land-based options um, and uh, are, are a little bit challenging because the, the tip of Western Australia, it's over a, t- a cape. Um, there's very limited resources, limited accommodation. Um, it actually is a well-known tourist destination um, near the Ningaloo Reef, which is a place where a lot of people go to experience swimming with the whale sharks. Um, oh, so mm-hmm. that Coral Coast region of Western Australia is really beautiful. Um, and so there's a lot of tourist infrastructure there, but not to the scale that's required for, um, you know, how many people would want to experience it uh, from right. that point. There's very good weather from there as well. So um, logistically, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a little challenging for people to get there because plans need to be made well in advance. Um, and so there, there's just some practicalities to be overcome, but there's no doubt that that is going to be a really Uh, amazing experience Um, and the other way of accessing the path is by cruise ships so there are cruise ships that are going to be off the water along the coast between you know off western Australia and also between Australia and um, Indonesia so that is a very accessible way of seeing a total solar eclipse. Do you know um, specifically what cruise ships uh, that people could potentially sign up with that will be in totality? You know, at the moment, it's tricky because with COVID, a lot of things are on pause. Um, and right. currently, I believe, I, I actually still don't believe cruise ships are able, are operating near Australia at the moment. I, I'm, I'm not quite right. sure. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm not up to date with those that are still operating or, or planning. So, um, I guess that a, a quick Google search will will give more accurate information sure sure. Um, but I think in the coming you know with Australia's borders changing I think more plans will be able to be formalized um, in the coming months or so yeah so what is the next eclipse after that one 
Oh, I think you know that, <laughs> of course. <laughs> this is uh-huh. the big one. <laughs> um, so this is 2024, um, and the path of totality goes across the US, Mexico, and Canada. And this is big because, you know, you think 2017 across the US was big. This is so much bigger because the path is wider. Um, the time in totality is going to be much longer and so many more thousands of communities are in the path of totality. Um, I can't remember the numbers specifically, but there are so many people already living within the path of totality that it's, you know, mm. all they have to do. I mean, talk about accessibility. All they have to do is, is step outside and look up. I mean, it's, it's that right. simple. Uh, you know, as long as you can see the horizon around you, that's a really good thing because you can see the difference in light. You know, there's like a 360 degree sunset around you it's really very special mm-hmm. so if, as long as you can see the horizon i think it's it's good um that is really very accessible to many many people and that is on april 8th of 2024 that's right uh, now the thing is is that many parts of north america might you know be a bit rainier than springtime <laughs> uh where where are you planning to be uh, for that eclipse <laughs> yes. based on the amount of sunshine and the potential to really see it? Yeah, you, that's a really good point because the eclipse is going to happen no matter what. You know, na- nature and the universe doesn't stop for any weather event. Um, right. But if clouds get in the way you will not be able to Mm -hmm. visually see some of those things that I was talking about. Um, You will Mm -hmm. still experience the changes in the environment, the drop in temperature, the wind picking up or stopping. You know, you will experience those things. You will still experience the shadow, um, the the moon's shadow moving across. But there's there's a lot that is missed when it's cloudy. So it's very important to look at the cloudy, um, you know, weather averages. And there are some really good websites and people who really dedicate their lives to helping people understand climate along the path of totality. Um, one of these sites is... Uh, uh, is uh, yeah, what are these sites? Jay Anderson. So he's a Canadian meteorologist and he operates a site called eclipsophile.com. And this really is about climate and weather for future paths of totality. And it's just an excellent site because he breaks it all down and you can see visually along the path. Uh, It confirms what you know. (laughs) There are elements of the path that will be challenging uh, and other elements of the path. So more towards, you know, the Texas region um, are much better chances of clear skies. And Mexico as well. Mexico at the start of the path actually has really good chances of clear skies. Um, but the further east you go and further northeast you go, the, the more cloudier generally the, the path will be. Um, and that leaves people with a few dilemmas because if you live in the path of totality and you're in an area that's usually cloudy at those points, you know, that question is, what do you do? Do you stay? Do you go? How do you make these mm-hmm. plans? Um, and so I... I guess it's the thing that when you experience a total solar eclipse in your own community, that really does only happen once in a lifetime. In any one location, it's 375 years um, that, you know, that 
a total solar eclipse will be visible over one location. So if that happens in your lifetime, I think there is something really special about doing that, staying in your community, seeing it and experiencing that in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. Some people may disagree with me on that, but I've had that experience of being, you know, surrounded by people in your community that um, it's, that only happens once, you know. Um, mm -hmm. so, but other people will like to travel. Um, but just be in mind that there's if a lot of people in the US traveling on Eclipse Day. I mean, I'm sure you 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 might have even been caught up in the, the travel issues last time. But, you know, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> came to us. Yeah. We were in a very sunny region and it yes. was I think we might have been dubbed the best place for viewing the eclipse back in 2017. Yeah. But what you do know is that, you know, um, weather on the day, you can you can predict climate, but weather on the day is something that's really difficult because some of those places that were, you know, generally good places to um, for weather to experience it with, with good chances, some of those locations were cloudy. Mm -hmm. And other locations that weren't expecting to have really good views had a really great experience. You know, in my chases, um, the the eclipse of the century, which was in, oh, what year was that? 2009. So it was called the eclipse of the century because totality was going to last, um, you know, at its greatest about six and a half, over six and a half minutes long. I mean, can you imagine that, that, that amount of time mm -hmm. in totality? Um, no. So, oh, I know. So we we picked a location on the coast of China that had the best chances of of clearer skies at that time of year. Um, even with that, you know, on eclipse morning, it was just so depressing because you know you you looked out and it's just grey and thick cloud. <laughs> You're screaming. It's like no, this should not happen. And you know we we saw snippets of the partial eclipse, but you know in our location we had about five minutes, fifty five seconds or something like that under yeah. cloud and it was so <laughs> depressing and you know at the end of it it rained and you know, it was just oh. heartbreaking you know it, it's that and it was impossible to move on on the day we just did not have the resources to move and so mm -hmm. it it just shows that there are never any guarantees the eclipse is going to happen have a plan a have a plan b but sometimes um you know eclipse chasers do um, look at the weather and, and make their final decisions in the last few days beforehand so that they can get into position um, and mm -hmm. give themselves the best chance. So never any guarantees. And to answer your question about where I'm going, I've still yes. not 100% finalised plans. So I'm looking at a few different options and I also run Eclipse Tour groups. And again, that's been a bit challenging in COVID times because of the absolutely on travel. Yes. Um, so plans have not 100% been finalised for that yet, but it is likely to be Mexico or the southern states of the US. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will be keeping in touch. <laughs> <laughs> but no matter where you are, it is going to be awesome. So I think that, you know, the central message is that if you live in the path of totality, you are so lucky, you know, try and avoid the chaos and oh, I shouldn't say chaos, but try try and limit the uncertainties by um, having confidence in your region. So, for example, in 2017, I was leading a, a, a 
the tour of, uh, I think we had about 35 people, international chasers. And I chose a location that we did not need to be mobile. We did not need to travel on Eclipse Day. We actually went up, um, we're in Grand Teton National Park. And oh, wow. we went up the, um, oh, what do you call it? The gondola up the top to get a, a much higher view. I mean, it was spectacular. <laughs> Wow. Uh, but we didn't need to be on the roads. You know, we were we were based we, and it, it it actually really added to the experience because we we you know we we didn't have the issues or concerns about the uncertainty of being stuck on the highways or or um you know having challenges of getting to locations, all the anxiety related to that. Mm -hmm. So there is something about um making your eclipse experience as stress-free as possible um, if you live within the path of totality. If you don't, then your options are going to where the path is closest to you um, and trying to select a location that gives you a good chance of seeing it in terms of the weather. Mm -hmm. Now, can you uh, truly explain to our listeners um, why being in 100% totality is different than being in 90, 95%. Um, yeah. So what's, what's the difference? Do you remember how, when I was talking about my experience in, you know, my first totality experience in 1999, um, that when you're in the partial phases, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you get to see the, the mechanics of the universe, you know, in front of you, mm -hmm, um, seeing the mm -hmm. moon move in front of the sun. I mean, that's really interesting. So that's the intellectual fascination of it. And so, you know, with your filters, you look and you, you see it change over time. And that's really interesting. But it wasn't until, you know, 90, 95% that some of the other things started to become really a little bit more noticeable. Um, so it's those things like, you know, the, the, the changes of light because you don't, it's so subtle that you don't really become aware of the, um, the reduction in light until quite well into the partial phases. Um, so, you know, that I think you need a, a little bit more to be into the deeper partial phases of the eclipse. Um, you know, your location needs to be closer to the center line to experience that um and it's so um in the lead up to it the, the partial clips interesting you get all those things towards the end of you know end of the partial when it's 97 98 percent all those dramatic things start to happen you know the the eeriness the ominous shadow that's coming towards you um but it doesn't actually arrive if you still remain in the partial phase it, you don't you don't experience that, um, you know, the goosebumps as the moon's shadow sweeps over you. You don't experience that or complete awe-inspiring, incredible feeling when you take your solar filters off and you, you know, you, where the sun should be, you know, the constant in our world, the sun is there every day where you can't see it, where there is this black hole in the sky. So you can't experience that in, um, when you're not in the path of totality. It's very hard to experience those fully immersive things, you know, that feeling of connection and insignificance, but feeling, you know, that the universe is so vast and um, that, that sense of time, those things don't really happen if you mm -hmm. don't experience totality. So it's still a really interesting event. 
And if, if you're in a place where you experience like, you know, 90%, 95%, 98%, you'll, you'll have some of those, you'll have glimpses of those things, but nowhere, nowhere near like the, in the path of totality. So I do yeah. encourage people at some point in your life, get into the path of totality. And I think there is a little bit of misunderstanding sometimes because of the way the media reports it. But, you know, everyone is aware that 2017, there was a total solar eclipse across the US. Some people feel, even though they, they weren't in the path of totality, some people will tell you that they saw the total solar eclipse because that's how it was reported in the, in the media. Um, right. So they're convinced that they saw the total solar eclipse, but they, they were in a location that clearly wasn't. Um, and then they will tell you like, well, I didn't experience all these things. And so, you know, how, what's different between you and me? Um, and that is a difference. You've got to be in the path of totality. Yes. It really, really is important to get in the path of totality if you can. Now, how long does totality last on average? Um, on average, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think the maximum can be about seven minutes. Um, it, it all depends upon the, the distance between the moon and the earth and, um, and other physics, which I'm probably not the best person to explain, but there's a lot of excellent literature which, and animations which show you the details about um, why eclipses vary in time and why the eclipse path is sometimes wider than others. Um, but on average, I think, you know, two or three minutes or so. Um, but the shortest one that I've experienced is about, I think, 31 seconds. And that was wow. in, off the off Galapagos Islands. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That's where the podcast began. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you an interesting fact about the Galapagos. Yeah. Island. Tell me. Yeah. Because I was actually looking at your, I was listening to your podcast that you did about where your podcast began. I was listening to this yeah. last night and you said something, I can't remember the exact words you used, but it was like, you know, it all began on a, on a boat near the Galapagos Islands. And I was just going, oh, my God. <laughs> um, because in 2005, um, there was uh, the path of totality um, didn't make landfall. So it, it actually it was only visible um, on, you know, from the ocean and really remote parts of the ocean. Only three cruise ships went into the path of totality for that eclipse. And like I mentioned, wow. it was so the narrow the path was so narrow. And um, so I was on one of those three cruise ships. And initially, I wasn't supposed to be there. You know, um, for me, it was, I started chasing in 99. And I had tried to see every single eclipse that I could, you know, so I, I was pretty successful. But in 2004, that was tricky, because that was Antarctica. Um, again, mm. I'm just not meant to see an eclipse in Antarctica, it seems, but it, it, it was beyond my means. And, you know, I, I tried to look at all options of how to get there in desperation, but I just had to let that one go. And 2005, this path was really remote. And I, I just felt I had to let that one go as well, but I couldn't quite let it go. Um, I was just so desperately keen to go there. And then it was only about three weeks before that um, I got an email alert saying in, um, some circumstance had changed and they had availability. 
and it was only three weeks or so beforehand. It was, it was really close to the time. And the path of totality was so remote that you needed about two weeks at least, um, you know, to, to get into the path um, and get out of the path. And, and so, you know, this alert came up and I was thinking, you know, is this possible? Can I create a situation where I can make this happen for myself? And so I researched and researched and spent, you know, probably 12 hours straight trying to make this happen. And, you know, with a mix of frequent flyer points and all sorts of interesting creative things, I just thought, you know what, this is important. And I think I need to go to this one. And my rationale was that there were, there were going to be eclipse chases on this cruise ship. These were going to be hardcore eclipse chases. And my, yes. my guru, um, who was Fred Espinek, um, and, uh, you know, I just thought, well, this is my... Uh, Fred Espinek is known as Mr. Eclipse. He's the guy uh -huh. who, you know, he, he's, um, he, he, he creates an, um, a lot of the materials and resources that gives information to uh, everything about eclipses. He is the man. And so, you know, once I started researching about eclipses, I would always just go to him as a source and find out where he was going so I could actually plan my independent travel to be, you know, because obviously he knew everything about it. And he sure, was going to be on sure. this cruise ship. So I thought, you know, this would be my opportunity to, instead of independently travel, I could actually go meet other eclipse chasers. And so absolutely, I approached my employers. <laughs> it was just an interesting conversation. And they said, well, um, yeah, but they knew how important it was for me. And they said, look, it sounds like you just have to go. And so I, I made a query, sent an email. And then it, you know, before I knew it, it, I, I was going on this eclipse trip, but I hadn't even told my husband. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was an interesting conversation because it was like, oh, oh. you and I are very alike. <laughs> it was we're like, oh, very alike. I think we're going. <laughs> Um, of course he was coming with me. I wasn't going on my own. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but I, I just thought, you know, and, and I think he must've been between, between work at the time. I can't quite recall that, but I just remember the conversation. It was just quite funny. Cause I was just like, um, you know, well, <laughs> we're going. So we had very little time to prepare because we really had to get over to South America and, you know, Ecuador and then. You're right. Get on the, the cruise ship to then get, um, you know, it took even six days from the Galapagos Islands even further out yeah. um, to get yeah. into the path of totality. Um, mm -hmm. And oh, actually, sorry, maybe three or four days from the Galapagos yeah. Islands. But it was very remote right. anyway. But I had that yeah. moment uh, when we were in those seas on that day. It was, you know, we were rocking and rolling on the boat in the open seas. I mean, this boat was not designed to be out there. <laughs> So it was, it was an incredible experience, but I met, you know, I met everyone on that boat was an eclipse chaser with the same values and, and experiences and love of life. And, you know, we were just so similar and mm -hmm. I just had this feeling of, oh, I should, I need to interview all these people. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, that, wow. I wasn't, I wasn't as prepared as you were because you obviously then knew that beforehand and you, you got your recording kit and then you made that happen. right right it was about three weeks prior though <laughs> yeah, yeah I think the insight <laughs> came from me when I was on the boat in the middle of nowhere with no resources I suddenly realized the um parallel well not the parallel but the intersection between my career as a psychologist uh, and 
the you know my eclipse chasing you know with this new community i had just discovered that um there was something very unique about us that is absolutely worth knowing and learning about and around that time i was actually still engaged in my research phd so i was using a particular methodology called interpretative phenomenal <laughs> phenomenological analysis or IPA mm -hmm. for short. Mm -hmm. And that really is about looking at the lived experiences we have and the way we make sense of things. And so my topic is very much related to, you know, adjustment to health and, and the experience of something quite challenging in the medical environment. Um, but because I was doing this as a research methodology and I'd set up a research network to, of, you know, to help bring people together to um, learn more about this research approach. Um, so I was living and breathing that at the time. And then on the boat, I was thinking, of course, like this is the ultimate, you know, not only am I intersecting the path of totality that I really wasn't meant to, I'm, you know, I've learned that there's this community of people. I mean, these, many of these people have become my good friends. Um, yeah. And we all travel to the same places. Of course we do. You know, we go to the path of totality. So, you know, we, we have different experiences, but we, we have so many similarities in what we do. <laughs> Um, and we keep bumping into these people in different locations around the world, you know, so these are people that are par living parallel lives, basically. Um, so it was it was on a boat in the middle <laughs> near the Galapagos Islands that I decided that it was important that I was going to start researching the eclipse experience. So wow. it took me. A wow. Yeah. What is it about the Galapagos Ocean there, right? Um, the I right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it took me a few more years. Um, you obviously were right in there, but, um, you know, circumstances meant that I, I didn't start fully properly researching it until about 2011. I took six months out of work and I then started researching and interviewing wow. Eclipse Chasers and that led to my first book and, you know, and on it went from there. And the name of your book? That first one was called Total Addiction, The Life of an Eclipse Chaser. <laughs> Okay. So, and I, your next book? Um, my second book was it, it was a smaller book. It capt it's called Totality 2012. Um, you know, the total eclipse of North Queensland, Australia. So that was really capturing the experience of people who were in the path of totality in 2012, mm -hmm. which was in my home region in North Queensland, where I am now. And so, mm -hmm. I interviewed uh, for my first book. I interviewed eclipse chasers because I thought it takes a lot of times to experience totality to be able to put words to the experience because it's ineffable you know things happen to us that we just do not have the language to explain mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. you know being able to put words to it um eclipse chasers do that so they they i was able to talk to them about how they make sense of their experience um you know what it was like how they can draw and how i could i could draw upon collective experiences to pull out the essence of what happens to us during a total solar eclipse. Um, so my second book was more like a narrative thing with lots of photos and lots of contributions from people who it was the first time. So it's a, it's a nice little book. The third book I published, which I feel is probably the most accessible book for people, and maybe one of the more important ones that I've written is Being in the Shadow. And it is, I interviewed people who experienced their first total solar eclipse because I wanted to capture that change, you know, that your, your whole perspective has changed. And so I was able to interview people before they saw their eclipse and then after the eclipse. 
Um, so wow. yeah, wow. that was a pretty unique experience to do. And so um, just a small number of people, but it really is the storytelling, the narrative of what, what it was like for them in the lead up to the eclipse on eclipse day, the eclipse itself, and then afterwards how they made sense of it. And so this book, I, I wrote this in mind because I now also do community eclipse planning. And so I go into communities who have not seen a total solar eclipse and I do lots of lectures and radio talks and I share my own experience because, mm -hmm. again, like I said earlier on, it's, it's storytelling is the way to help people understand that this is a very special experience. Um, and so I wrote this to help um, people living within the path of totality who are planning things for their community to be able to share that with other people because they hadn't experienced it themselves, but they needed to be able to convey that. So that was my motivation of writing that book. And for anyone who had never seen a total solar eclipse who wanted to see one, I think that is the book because it really, it does explain from, you know, um, a normal, every, normal everyday people um, who are just like, you know, someone listening to this podcast thinking, is this for me? Is this for me? Yes, it's for you. <laughs> wow. And uh, I will include links to your books in the show notes. Um, so listeners definitely go on to experiences that you should have and find the show notes for this episode. Um, okay. So how do you become an eclipse chaser? How do you do it? It is so easy. You get yourself into the path of totality. You experience your first eclipse. You get blown away. And then it just happens automatically. You know, like you just have that desire. <laughs> When's the next one? That, that is the moment you become an eclipse chaser. The first one, I think you sort of, you know, like I was, you get in naively, really, or you get in because you right. know it's going to be good. But technically, I don't believe you're an eclipse chaser at that point. But, you know, it's that compulsion of, of oh, my God, I've got to get the next one. Um, I think that's when that's when it happens and it just happens to you it's it's pretty easy so you, you get yourself into the path of totality you experience your first one the rest will take care of itself <laughs> yes yes um, well I will be missing the one in Antarctica and I'll probably be missing the 2023 but I plan on being in Texas in 2024 yes yes excellent yeah, I think if yeah. you're if you're someone who lives in Texas and you know that you're in the path of totality, be prepared to have your you know your fan, friends, family, long lost relations, everyone, <laughs> someone you might have went to you know like had a coffee with many years ago. Everyone is going to want to come and stay with you. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but you may not know that six months before that total eclipse in April 2024 in the US, there is an annular eclipse that happens. So you may not mm. know this, but... An, yeah, tell me. Yeah, an annular eclipse is when the, the moon is... Um, the, the size of the moon doesn't completely cover the sun. And so it's left with a ring, that's the annulus. And so, you know, the moon is in the center of that, but the, the ring of light still exists. So it's like a partial eclipse, exactly the same, but then instead of totality, you're still left with that ring. So you still have to use your solar filters throughout. There's no safe way of experiencing it. Um, you don't mm -hmm. experience totality. So it is not a total solar eclipse. Um, but you experience annularity. So that just means 
um, the ring around it. So that, that is quite interesting and quite spectacular. And that is worth traveling to. So it's the same, you have a path of annularity. So it is, if you wanted to, as a warm up, um, you can get into the path of annularity for the, um, the annular eclipse in 2023 and in, across the US, and then you will be able to experience um, some of what's going to happen, you know, and if you're blown away by that experience, you will be blown away absolutely for the total eclipse in 2024. Wow. Now, how often do these to how often does the solar eclipse happen? In any one location. So if you stay put and never travel, um, odds are that you will experience a total solar eclipse in around every uh, 375 years so wow you have to travel um luckily enough somewhere around the world there is you know there, there is a total solar eclipse visible somewhere around the world every 18 months on average and so <laughs> in our world of travel um that's that's why we're called eclipse chasers because we get ourselves to intercept the path of totality uh wherever mm -hmm. it is and so um you can you know, you can really see a, experience a total solar eclipse every 18 months. So some years it's every year and then there might be a gap, a, a little bit of a gap. Um, so 2022, there are no total solar eclipses. So us eclipse chasers spend our time planning and prepping and, you know, doing all the research because it's not just about seeing the total solar eclipse. We tend to go to some really remote, incredible destinations. And so we try and also... Um, allow ourselves to have other experiences and immerse ourselves in culture there and, you know, see the other nature events and just, you know, learn about the world around us. And it's, so it's not just the eclipse, it's the travel that we have as well, which is extremely enriching. So we put a lot of effort and planning into our eclipse travel, except the Galapagos. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that's just so amazing. Now, when, when I saw the solar eclipse, I had these kind of paper glasses, um, to be able to, to look at the sun with, um, do, so you're professional. Do you have like professional glasses you wear or do you wear the paper ones? I wear the paper ones. I wear the paper okay. ones too. They are, okay. um, fully approved solar filters and there are important yeah. safety standards that are available and I'll, I'll give you a link so you can put that on the show notes too yeah because um, a lot of research has gone into how to view eclipses safely how to view the sun safely um, so it's really important whatever filters you use uh, that there are they are accredited um, with the um, the safety information written on them and so there are mm -hmm. several manufacturers across the US who produce these glasses. And um, for 2017, there was the availability of others that were not set to standard. And so it's important that if you're purchasing a, uh, solar filters that you buy from a reputable company um, and not just online from the internet because you just okay. can't guarantee the quality there. But I right. view just with the paper filters, they can be branded for each eclipse. And so it's a nice memento to have as a record of each eclipse where you've been to. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, so I, I do, that's what I do. Okay, all right. Out of the words of an eclipse chaser expert. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and and do you have any other tips for for those um, wanting to to get into this and and start making this a part of their life? <laughs> I I think. Um, when I saw my first one, you know, with all that excitement and euphoria and then that desperation of wanting to see the next ones, I also had that feeling of, why did I not do this earlier? You know, and I started <laughs> looking at all the ones that I'd missed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I just thought this, oh, that was a missed opportunity. And, you know, mm -hmm. before eclipses, I was just planning travel I think randomly, you know, you, you know, you, you have places and experiences that you want to see. Um, right. And, you know, so that would just be random of when you do that. But with eclipses, after eclipses, I now know where the paths are going to be. So I can also look at, well, if I'm going to go to this location, I will also do this and that and this and that. And, you know, so I, I can actually build and continue to have amazing experiences focused on where these places are. For example, Madagascar. I mean, what an incredible place to go to. And why right. not go to Madagascar when there was a total solar eclipse? So that's exactly what I did in 2001. Um, you know, the, the Galapagos in 2005. It's one of those places that, I mean, it, it's, it, you've been there. It's, it's incredible. I mean, the, the mm -hmm. islands are just stunningly beautiful. The, the wildlife is so not concerned by man i mean it, it's 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 just an incredible beautiful place um it's life-changing it really Absolutely is life-changing yeah i mean and the experiences you have there in and of itself like i just remember snorkeling above the, you know, there was a little playful seal a, a baby seal that was underneath the water and i was snorkeling above it and it was below shooting in and out of the water and it was underneath me and it just sort of like La I, I think it laughed at me. <laughs> this bubble come up and, you know, and I, I lifted my head up and I was screaming like, oh my God, this is so incredible. And I put my head down again and almost drowned myself because I forgot that I need to breathe and I need the snorkel. <laughs> um, uh, but, you got to stay alive. That's, that's, that's a key. That's key. But that, that was just, I mean, it's just moments like that. Um, so you, you kind of then use the eclipse as an opportunity to visit these places that you know that you will at some point in your life that you do that at the same time and it's it's it just then allows you to feel so humbled and so incredibly lucky and feel connected with our wonderful earth and nature and everything that there is there and the different cultures that we have and you know we get to fully experience life and so mm -hmm. i think um yeah, my message to people who've never seen one, it's not just about eclipse chasing. And eclipse chasing is not an activity that you do. It actually becomes a part of who you are. And not everybody becomes an eclipse chaser. Um, so they, you know, some people like me and you, and, um, you know, when you see it, you just know that this is going to be, you will go to everyone mm -hmm. for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. people do feel, you know, like it's incredible and it's amazing and it's awe-inspiring, but they don't feel that need to travel or that desperation to travel to see. And, you know, I'm a psychologist and that was part of my curiosity about wanting to explore why do people, why do some people like me get this, addiction total addiction and other people um not so my partner he's been to every similar eclipse that i have but he if it wasn't for me he wouldn't go out of his way to organize these epic travel adventures you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so i'm fascinated by that and i have my t-shirt that says eclipse chaser and he's 
He's got one called Eclipse Chaser Chaser with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's fantastic. Thumbs it up. Yes. <laughs> All right. Man, I just really thank you for, for coming on the show and, and sharing your story and, and inspiring others to have this surreal, amazing experience. <laughs> um, now, how can, how can our listeners follow you and, and, and read your research and, and articles? Um, I have a website called beinginthashadow.com. Um, mm-hmm. And so that, that is the site that I tend to um, be out, send, put links to all sorts of things that I'm doing, whether it's the events that I'm doing, the books that I've been publishing, the articles that I've done, the media things that I've been doing. So it's, it, um, I try and keep that updated. Uh, when there's no eclipses and, and during COVID times, I, I you know, my focus is less on it. Um, but uh, when there is a lot more activity and closer to eclipses, I'm far more active, um, especially mm-hmm. on Facebook as well. So my, um, uh, you can follow me on Facebook. The, the connections are also being in the shadow um, and you can link in it from my website as well. Um, so I think that's, those two places are, are the best. Um and I also do a lot of media before every eclipse. So if if you do happen to be in a location where I'm doing a presentation, come along and come up to me afterwards and let me know if you heard about it from this podcast because I, I hadn't heard of your podcast before you made contact with me and I think it's really neat. So I'm going to spend lots of time just doing my long drives and listening to all different people talk about their experiences. It's wonderful what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I uh, just, I mean, so much to me, truly. And, and would love to have you back on the show again and, and talk about amazing experiences that you should have and share your story. You're a wonderful storyteller. And it's just an honor to hear your story today. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity. And I did warn you that I can speak for hours. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think you were kidding. You thought I was kidding, right? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Experiences You Should Have podcast. If you consider yourself an experience seeker, then click subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also visit experiences you should have.com for the full show notes of this episode. Um, and again, if you want to visit Kate's site, uh, go to beinginthashadow.com. She also has a, a great Facebook page, uh, Being in the Shadow. Um, and a recommended book is Being in the Shadow. We'll have links to this in the show notes, as well as uh, some of the points that we talked about today. Thank you again for listening. And until our next adventure.